headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, broadcasting for the Pods Moving and Storage Studios. It's the Ramsey Show, where we help people build wealth, do work that they love, and create actual amazing relationships. Open phones this hour as we talk about your life and your money. Open phones at 888-825-5225. George Camel is Ramsey personality co-host of the day with me. And, uh, George, I was not going to talk about this news story, but apparently people are doing stupid butt things because of this news story. So now we have to talk about it. Yes. So we, we are not a news network, but we wanted to maybe quelch some of the fears that are out there that have been sparked due to the SB, SVB fallout. So for those that don't know, Dave, can you do like an explain like I'm five as to what happened with the Silicon Valley bank collapse? Yes. Okay. The Silicon Valley Bank was collapsed on last week, last Thursday, I guess it was. Um, and uh, the reason was pretty simple. Number one, you need to understand this about their bank. The, that the vast majority of the customers in that bank were hedge funds, venture capitalists, and tech startups. They were not mom and pop. Granny's CD was not over at this bank. That's not who they catered to. Okay. So to put that in perspective, FDIC insurance of 250000 covers your de- up to 250000 The government covers your deposits in the event of a bank failure. Right? The typical bank, it covers 75 to 80% of the deposits. In other words, somebody, some people have, rich people have $500,000 or, or $800,000 or a million dollars or something in, in a, your local bank, but most people are $250,000 and under. This bank was the inverse of that. North of 90% of the deposits are not covered. That means these were all multi-million dollar customers sitting in that bank. So these were players, and they they done got caught. Okay, this is what happened. So this does not affect your local bank at all. It has almost nothing to do with your local bank. It's a bunch of Silicon Valley tech startups and venture capitalists from all over the place. I mean, I know I've got two friends in Nashville that are venture capitalists. They had money in that bank, lost money. Okay. And, uh, but they play us. All right. They're not, they're not, this is not mop, not granny's CD for God's sakes. All right. So your bank is safe. Calm your butt down. This has nothing to do with that. And what happened was typically what banks do, this bank included, in order to have a stable balance sheet, a balance sheet that is very safe to back up the deposits, is they will buy bonds. Now, if you didn't know, bonds have an in, bond interest rates have an inverse relationship with bond prices. What that means is as interest rates rise, bond values go down. So they had a whole bunch of bonds that they bought when interest rates were 1.7, 1.8%. Interest rates are currently about 4% on the bond market, which means their bond portfolio had gone down in value dramatically, and they had billions in bonds. So on paper, they had lost money. So on they paper, lost they yet. lost a ton of money. Well, then they got scared, and a couple of people got spooked, and they start unloading a bunch of those bonds, and then the rumor mill kicks in. The venture capitalist boys come flying in like they do and start scarfing the money, and they close the and bank. And that's what the bank run is. They close the when bank. When all the customers show up So your once. local bank, A, is going to cover the vast majority of depositors. You're fine. B, there's not a bunch of players in your local bank. 
That's not who's dealing in there. Even freaking Bank of America, which I hate, and I don't know why anybody would do business with them. They're horrible. But even they have almost, I mean, it's like 40%, 40%. of their deposits are covered, right? And, and it's like these guys had, it was all rich people, super rich people in there. So it's just, number one, you, you wouldn't have money in a bank. Ugh, so Okay, so bond interest rates have gone up. Bond values have gone down. Consequently, though, to the new to the bank crash and the closing of this bank, then they closed two others just like it because they were afraid they were going to FDIC gets to pay for all this crap. And the FDIC starts shutting it down. When they smell anything looks just like this, they shut two, down two more, right, and took them over. They'll sell off the assets. They'll collect all the money to recoup the insurance. If there's any money left for the insurance, and there won't be, then they will uh, dis- distribute that to the people, uh, the depositors. The stockholders will get zip. Mm which is exactly what yeah, it was they deserve. At, it was trading at 250 a share. This is now called it's zero. capitalism. When you screw stuff up, you lose your money. That's for those people that are in that bank. That's what happened. And they knew what they were in. Every one of them knew what they were in. Again, your grandmother's CD wasn't over there. You're okay. My local bank is fine. I've got deposits in excess of 250,000 in my local bank in excess of all the limits in my local bank. I am not worried about it. One iota, not a penny. Okay. But the great news is the bond market freaked out because they kind of caused this with the interest rates going up and bond interest rates dropped. Bond prices went up. Translation, your mortgage rates are cheaper today than they were this time last week. If you were going to get a mortgage in the next month or so and get a house, run to your mortgage company before all the dust settles on this. This is a great time to get a mortgage. Go to Churchill Mortgage today and lock in your mortgage today because this is an anomaly it may settle back up by uh, two weeks from now all right but it dropped a quarter to a half depending on what kind of mortgage you're looking at because bond interest rates went down bond prices went up because these dubers were flooding the market with their bonds and the bond people went oh look at us we support all the local banks because almost every local bank everywhere buys bonds to put on their balance sheet to quote stabilize their balance sheet it only stabilizes their balance sheet, which is the great joke of bond, the bond market, if the interest rates are stable. Mm. But when interest rates go up from two to five, the guess what? Your bond prices go down. And then everyone shows up and at the bank. And that bond you bought that was so stable now is worth less because you were betting on an interest rate market to give you a stability, and that was a dumb move. So here we go. All that to say, get your mortgage right now. Go to Churchill Mortgage today, and if you're thinking about buying a house and you're just kind of on the fence, this is going to be your month, baby. This is going to be the time to jump in. Uh, jump online, get you a, you know, get a smart, get a, an ELP with real estate. Whatever it is you got to do here, this is the time. And don't and people are going and buying gold, George. Oh my goodness, banks are going to fail. It's like they live in the wild, wild west or something. You don't know how the FDIC insurance works. The entire federal government would have to fail for you to not get your money out of your bank when you have to, less than two hundred fifty thousand dollars in your bank. Quit. Acting like you're don't cash out dad gum your conspiracy bank. Don't cash out your investments. The, everything on the internet's true. Abraham Lincoln said that. I mean, come on, guys. You believe every conspiracy theory out there. These banks are not on the wire. They're not about to collapse. It's gonna be like two thousand eight. Two thousand eight was not a banking collapse. It wasn't what happened. It's a don't whole fall different for the thing. fear. Turn but off the headlines. There's a lot of fear mongering happening thing. right now. Yeah. You may need to turn off the news. It's not good for some of you. At least a week or two.
just it's not good for some of you. You really react poorly to the wrong information. This is the Ramsey Show. Did you know, statistically, when it comes to life insurance and protecting your family, that women are more likely to be uninsured or underinsured than men. This doesn't make any sense. Women make up half the workforce, contribute mightily to family incomes, and in many cases are the breadwinners and take care of their families 24 hours a day. This is one of the most overlooked areas when it comes to financial planning. Maybe it's a relic of the past, but a loss of income or the need to replace family care is equally important for women as it is for men. Single moms, working moms, and stay-at-home moms all need term life insurance. Rates are actually lower for women, which is why I send you to Xander Insurance. They shop the top term life companies to find the lowest rates available. You can compare rates online at Xander.com or call 800-356-4282. This is something every family has to deal with. That's Xander.com or 800-356-4282. George Campbell Ramsey personality is my co-host today. Open phones at 888-825-5225. George, one of the things we've noticed about millionaires over the years, back to our bank failure story, is that when um, there's breaking news, right? Breaking news, which it does always breaking something, right? Um, the millionaire investor doesn't react. They just sit back and kind of go, Hmm, that's interesting. The get rich quick person, the scared, the the, uh, broke person, the person who's destined to stay broke overreacts, oversteers the car and flips it. Hmm and go that's it i'm cashing out of everything and i'm buying beanie babies because they they lose their freaking minds you know i'm gonna buy gold i knew it crypto was right all along i'm in again bernie madoff's my man you know i mean you you just you bite off on some of the stupid butt stuff when you freak out Mm. and and if you catch yourself freaking out and like your like your pulse rate is up, you're over caffeinated, you know, and, and wait twenty four hours and turn off the TV and stay off a of tic tac because it's going to tell you all the bad news and how the world's coming to an end. Breathe. Investors that become wealthy and stay wealthy are the ones that invest steadily, calmly. They do make changes but they do not oversteer on one little patch of ice. They just let off the gas and roll across the ice until the pavement's clear again. No sudden And then there's no spin out, no flip, no roll, no airbag release in your life. But the people that overreact tend to, and I can tell you in my personal life, I had the times that I've lost the most money are when I overreacted to something. When I either was scared, mad, and I'm, you're, it's what Deloney, Dr. Deloney talks about all the time. You know, w- when you're in the middle of trauma, facts are your friends. Breathe. Wait 24 hours until your pulse rate comes down. Rethink this. Look at what wealthy people are really doing. Now, I'm not talking about players like venture capitalists, what they're doing. I'm talking about people that have 
five, ten million dollars. They're steady. They're predictable. They're the tortoise. Don't oversteer. Yeah. Well, you've said that we are in the business of selling crockpots, not microwaves. And when you have that mindset, you know, this blip in the stock market because of the bank collapsing, we go, okay, S&P's down 1%. Big whoop. I'm investing for the long term. I'm, I'm not cashing I'm not, out. I'm not buying today and I'm not selling today because of that. Although if I were doing one or the other, it would be buying because I feel like it's on sale because it's an artificial short-term blip. Here, here mark my words. Put it on your calendar. One month from today, remind yourself to see if you even remember this. The SVP bank failure in the Silicon Valley. One month from today, see if you even remember it until you bring it up. It won't be top of it won't be top of funnel. It won't be something everybody's talking about. It'll be a distant memory, mist. Mm. Well, it's also mist. a good reminder to not invest in single stocks. I saw it, it was on the top of Jim Cramer's list for April of 2022. Oh, he got fried, didn't he? Number Poor one choice Jim. was Silicon Valley Bank to put all your money in. And uh, wow. It's a buy! <laughs> how is, he how is it buttons. he says it? How's he say it? I think that's it. It's a button? Yeah, he just buy! smashes all the buttons. I love Jim. He's so fun. I wouldn't do anything he says, but he's so fun. Well, I like him. I've met him a couple of times. I he really seems like, like him a fun personally. guy. He's a lot of he's a he's He's... But his whole thing is single stocks, and of course we tell people not to do that, and we don't buy single stocks. So I just sleep better at night, like, not having a. Have you ever all seen all the stuff they trash that guy? I mean, of course they trash us. So what do we know about they? But um, all, all, if people that follow the Jim Cramer index, that if you I actually invested according to him, how much you would have actually made? It's yeah. it's horrendous. But oh. it's, I don't know if it's accurate. I mean, you might have actually made money. I don't know. But I'm not. It's entertaining as crud, though. I love the show. It's fun to watch. I don't. Again, I don't buy single stocks, so I'm not going to act on. We don't have advice a dog anyway. in this fight. But uh, I, I will tell you too, it, yeah, on a personal level, he he's a fun guy. He really is. But poor guy, he's got. I mean, I think you need talk some about the work. The it's like the time that I said something about a tornado, and like the next day, one hit. Yeah, you remember that? That was poor timing. That was that, that was kind of Kramer's thing. I said it tore up Jack. I mean, like three people in our office lost their houses. You know, and I'm making fun of tornadoes the day before. Like, the chances of a tornado hitting, you're about nothing. And then Nashville just gets fried the next day. I got destroyed. There's a I'm phrase st- for that. It's aged like milk. Oh, that <laughs> <laughs> didn't you- age well, Ramsey. Yeah, you're making fun of tor- Like, they closed the schools in our area because tornadoes might oh, come right. tomorrow. And I'm like, your, your grandparents are rolling over in their grave. Tornadoes might come tomorrow. So you close the schools today? I'm like, good Lord, everybody buy a helmet for everything. I was going off on it, really. I was giving a, and then the next day we get just hammered with tornadoes in Nashville and everybody's like, Ramsey, that didn't age well. No, it didn't. <laughs> I got destroyed. If I could turn back time. <laughs> Poor Kramer. He got the same thing. It's his tornado moment. <laughs> we all have one the of those little to guy humble that ourselves. The little guy that does Nashville weather service or whatever, he was all pissed off at me. I oh, mean, yeah. Everybody, what's his name? I don't I can't remember. He's, up. The, he's got the big Twitter account. Is it big? It's big. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't, know. Got, I didn't know. I called him a little guy. Maybe he's a big guy. He's got okay. subscribers now. He has subscribers. A, a and stuff. And stuff. But anyway, yeah, he was pissed off because I made fun of his tornadoes. And Don't don't mess with the weather guy's tornadoes. You're really messing with them. That's I'm personal. Not mess- Meteorologists are That's scary. That's personal. They're personal. They know too oh, they'll, much. They'll send one after you, apparently. They <laughs> got radars and stuff. So more moral of the story is this. You're probably not going to die of a tornado or this bank failure. So me and Jim Cramer, we're both useless. Way to put a bow on it. <laughs> Full circle. John John is in Tacoma, Washington. Hey, John, how are you? 
I'm doing good. I hope you can be useful to me at least. I'll give it a shot, brother. What's up? Uh, so last week, my parents came to my wife and I and offered us to rent out their house to us uh, while they traveled the country and live in different places for a couple of years. But if we did that, we would have to sell our house that we live in right now. And we kind of just want your opinion on this. I heard your experts on your opinion. So (laughs) you're right about that. Why would you do this? Well, I did dumb in 2020 when I bought this house because I justified it to myself as well. It's the same as paying rent around here. So why not buy a house? And I bought it with 3% down on a 30 year. Okay. So, uh, what do you owe on the house? 289. What's your interest rate? 500. 2.875. What's the house worth today? 400. Okay. Doesn't sound like you're hurting too bad to me. Is the mortgage a huge part of your take-home pay? When I bought it, I was before I was married and it was a huge, but now it's less than 25, but if we were to pay it off like a 15, it would be more than 25. Yeah, but you're right around the bubble, and you got a great interest rate, and the house has gone up in value. Why are you moving again? Do you have other debt? Well, no, we're in baby step four and six. It's just we feel like if we sell the house, we might be able to save up faster and get a bigger down payment, and we're not in love with the house either. Like, you know, I bought the house. That house is going up faster than your account you're going to be saving up in. Okay. Yeah, it makes more sense to pay down your current mortgage than it does to go save up. Are you going to live for free in your parents' house? It'd be two or three. We would write up a contract. Uh, would it be free? No, they. We would pay the mortgage and utilities, which averages out to about nine fifty a month. No, I'll pass. Our, Stay right where you are. You got a low yeah. interest rate. Your house is going up in value. You don't hate your house, but you're not staying there forever anyway. While it goes up in value, just keep paying on your house. Let mom and dad get them a renter. Even if it's on a third, even if I'm on a thirty-year mortgage, you can pay it like a fifteen. Even if it's a little over the bubble, you're in four, five, and six. Start paying it like a fifteen, and work the system. Nothing's on fire here. This yeah. isn't worth uprooting your life for. Yeah, you're you're not house poor. You're not stuck. The, I, I agree with you. I would not have bought it the way you bought it, but the way you've ended up has worked out for you in spite of that. And so you're in a good place today. This is The Ramsey Show. George Camel, Ramsey personality, is my co-host today in the lobby of Ramsey Solutions on the debt-free stage. Jacob and Ashley are with us. Hey, guys. How are you? Fabulous. How you doing? Welcome. Where do you guys live? Uh, Independence, Missouri. Oh, cool. Good to have you. How much debt have you paid off? Sixty-one thousand. All right. How long did this take? It took sixteen months. Okay. And your range of income during that time? See, we started about one hundred twenty-six thousand and ended at one hundred forty-four thousand. Very cool. What do y'all do for a living? I'm a registered nurse. Mm-hmm. And I'm a truck driver. Ah, very good. What kind of debt was your sixty-one thousand? All of it was student loans. Ah, you're nursing. Yes. Okay. Very There's good. Some of both. I had student loans from school a long time ago that were never paid off. Okay. Yep. All right. Good. So how long have you guys been married? This May will be two years. Okay. So right after you got married, you looked up and said, boom, we got to attack this. Is that the story? What happened? 
Well, it actually started about six years ago. I had gotten in credit card debt, Mm -hmm. and a friend of mine gave me her book. I started Mm -hmm. listening to your radio show. Mm -hmm. Um, So I did the snowball debt with my credit cards. Mm -hmm. That kind of turned into, as we were dating, we both owed about the same amount on our vehicles. Mm -hmm. So we're like, well, let's just make this a competition between each other. Um, And so our dating just kind (laughs) of- Wow. It's a bold move. Went with it. (laughs) Do you let her win at that point for courtship? How does this work? (laughs) Yeah. Make me nervous. Well, she won because I had to stop giving all my extra payments to my pickup because I had to save for a ring, you know, but I couldn't tell her that. So I kind of had to keep that one kind of tucked oh. off. Sounds like she won. I won, though. She I won. Did. She yeah. won, I'll, and I'll she, won again, she won again. It was rigged. And she won again, and she keeps winning. <laughs> and you're smart because she won. I'm just saying. You were smart. There's a figure out a way to let her win. That was a good <laughs> move. But good. I don't even think you had to let her do anything. She's going to win anyway. But there you go. Well done. Yeah. Good stuff. She was on a, on a mission to get done. and uh, I So you're never, working on the cars, and then you get yeah. married, and the student loans are all that's left. Mm-hmm. So we kind of yeah. cash flowed our wedding and honeymoon yeah. in that process. Mm-hmm. And then from the day that we got married, we had a combined debt of 61000 yeah. So that was what we did in the 16 months. Oh, very good. So yeah. you'd cleared the cars. And previous to that, you'd cleared the credit cards. Yep. Yeah. All right. So here we, we wanted go. wanted to go in with as little baggage as possible. Yeah. <laughs> very good. That's the way to do it. So I'm curious, was it easier once you combined incomes to attack this collective debt? Yeah, I mean, for sure, we were in our individual debt snowballs when we were dating and then, of course, engaged. We never mixed anything until the day we got married, like literally until after the honeymoon, actually. Um, But while we were uh, engaged, we had a fund for the wedding. We had an idea of what we wanted to spend, and we kind of held each other accountable, real, real specific goals on what we gave to that. So that was uh, finished off. We paid for the wedding in full the honeymoon in full and it was early enough that we could make a couple more payments on uh, on my truck and then her on her student loans before the wedding day and paid off the truck right there and you'd already looked at gosh when we get to put this together it's going to go zoom zoom yeah yeah we did the math uh, plenty of times before the wedding day so we knew about what time we were looking at and we kept to it real strict okay newlywed couple time ready mm-hmm. who tried to mess up the wedding budget which one of you which one of you had picked out something that you had a little fit because you couldn't do it? He kind of wanted more things, really. I was ah. one that like, oh, we, can, we can stick to this budget more. He was like, ooh, this looks cool. This looks cool. <laughs> yeah, but so it, was, probably it him, was the good but. stuff. I wanted a good photographer and a good DJ. Other than that, I just wanted a great honeymoon. <laughs> the rest of it was on our <laughs> I'm with that. You got to have the so, dance party and the good Sounds like a guy. Yeah. 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 I thought it was going to be the flower pictures, arrangements. Good food and a honeymoon. <laughs> just all I care about. The rest of it, yeah. yeah. All I right. care less about the bouquet. <laughs> for sure good for well you guys done, you guys well done that's fun all right now that you did it you're superheroes nobody in america has done what you've done hardly it's pretty amazing you're standing on the ramsey solutions debt-free stage you did it i know. I, I paid off sixty one thousand. in addition to all the other stuff in the story but after you've been married you paid off sixty one thousand mm-hmm. in just 16 months yeah what's the secret to getting out of debt I think just the dedication and the discipline of doing it. Um, and we'd kind of like check in with each other every couple of months, like, okay, well, we've paid this much. Let's, you know, we just kept checking in and stuck with it. Yeah, we communicated a lot. We communicated very consistently in detail about everything associated with the debt payoff. Um, every check or every month or if we put in extra shifts or whatever, we just kept really uh, close 
tally on exactly how long this is going to take. So you're both you're both very much goal oriented anyway. Sounds like we like tried you, to when be, you laid yeah. it down. You said, "Okay, let's do it. Game on." Every mm-hmm. little thing, every slice. Yep. Yeah, we uh, we sold. We had two motorcycles. We had fun with them, but we knew we could sell them, and they were selling high at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so we sold those, put the money on it. They're kind of a dime a dozen anyway. We could replace them anytime. So mm-hmm. um, and at that point, I think the uh, um, the debt forgiveness that they had pushed off was getting ready to come to an end, or not the forgiveness, but the interest was getting ready to come to an end pretty soon. So we really wanted to get as much knocked out as we could before that. But when they offered the uh, debt forgiveness, um, it was about a week before we were set to make our final payments. <laughs> and it like was... Like, we're not stopping now. There was no reason. <laughs> we're here. We're not, know, we're not trusting it. We're just doing it. <laughs> we, there was no reason to stop. All the momentum we had built up at that time, we were right there in front of it, you know. So, and if we had have said, you know, let's go ahead and let, let them finish off this for us, we'd still be sitting there with these balances right now. Wow. So you did a debt eviction instead of debt forgiveness, which I think is the better path because you you're in control at that point. Yeah, mm-hmm. man. You so guys George, are that that is the script, the narrative that he just laid out is the narrative of people that win versus I'm going to wait on the government to fix my life, mm-hmm. or the people that don't win. And so this is you know it's I take control, I take agency, I take control of my life, of the controllables in my life, and I'm not going to sit around and wait on the DMV to make my life better. Have you ever thought about government service as an oxymoron? Seriously. So I'm not going to wait on Washington to make my life better. I'm going to go take this thing. And I'm not going to, if they had stopped at, based on the news, they'd be sitting here right now in debt and they wouldn't be on that stage. Mm. Yep. And a year from now, same thing. And a year from now, same thing. So people that take control of their lives are the ones that win. I'm so proud of y'all. Yeah, You're rock stars, man. Yeah, You're amazing. Feels I can't good. say rock stars anymore after that Super Bowl commercial. But, yeah, this is, it was amazing. Very well yeah, done. Thank you. thank you. Good work. Very cool. You're heroes. I can say that for sure. I appreciate it. Because in America today, you're highly, highly, highly unusual. We got a copy of uh, the whole Live and Give bundle for you. That's the Baby Steps Millionaire's book, number one bestseller. That's the next step on your journey for sure. The Total Money Makeover book. You can give to someone that's inspired by your story and say, this is what we did. Same thing with Financial Peace University membership. We're going to give you all three. And uh, people buy that Live and Give bundle and give it, take pieces of it, give it away. We're going to give it all to say thank you to for coming from Independence, Missouri to Nashville to do your debt-free scream. Newlyweds, Jacob and Ashley. They are goal-oriented people. Goal-oriented people win. You just can't stop them. 61000 paid off in 16 months, making 126 to 144. Count it down. Let's hear a debt-free scream. Three, Three two, two, one. We're debt-free! Yeah! I love this so much. It's powerful. If you... Go ahead. It's just amazing to me that they decided we're not going to wait. I get messages every day and people are going, George, should I wait? Because what if, what if the government, and I go, just repeat that back to yourself. What if the government? <laughs> Stop right there. You know what to do, but they people live in fear and they get paralyzed by the what ifs. Well, here's what's really interesting. I mean, I've been doing this so long now that, that I pick up... Um, just because of 30 years of standing in front of debt-free screams, you pick up the little nuances in their body language with each other, the uh, the way they're talking about it. Like I said, you know, who almost broke the wedding budget? And they're like, 
Uh, that's a dumb question. Neither one of us. Did you see that? They kind of yeah. got this quizzical look on their face like, no. Like, are you going to take like, the phone? Nobody, you fool. I mean, uh, he tried, but nobody was going to break the. We had a plan. We're sticking to the plan. We're sticking to the plan. We're sticking to the plan. Because we're not victims. We're victors. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's perfect. I mean, that couple, having conquered that in the first 16, weeks, 16 months of their marriage, can now conquer. They can slay any dragon that comes at them because they know how to fight together. Because that same mentality works in every area of your life. You don't have to fight each other. You need to fight together. The enemy's outside your house, not inside your house. Mm. This is The Ramsey Show. So when was the last time you were excited about a Monday? What if instead of waking up exhausted, you felt exhilarated? That you can't wait to get to work because it's another day to fulfill your passion. You know, sometimes around here I get tired, but I don't dread coming to work i might be tired because we're on the road we're working a bunch of hours travel is draining all that kind of stuff but i don't hate it in a world where the bare minimum monday trend has taken the place of quiet quitting it's clear people are craving meaningful work but finding the career you were born to do can be difficult when you don't have the right tools that's why career expert and ramsey personality ken coleman created the get clear assessment career assessment to help you discover your top talents, passions, and a clear mission statement that will help you find the work that the world needs you to do. After taking the quick assessment, you'll get a custom report with everything you need to take that first step towards a meaningful career. And that's not mythology. It really works. Go to RamseySolutions.com slash get clear. RamseySolutions.com slash get clear. So, George, our ratings are up on podcasts on YouTube everywhere we go. And I think the reason is, is that people are doing the three things that we ask them to do. And it's very helpful to us guys, all kidding and snarkiness aside. It's very helpful if you will do a couple of things. Yeah. Number one is share the show. So you've got friends, you've got a social media account, just posting a link, telling them about it. Super helpful. The other one is subscribing. So you might listen to the show. You don't realize you're not subscribed. You're not following on Spotify or YouTube or all these places. And that helps us as well. And so the other thing you can do is leave a review. And so if you enjoy the show, we love to read those reviews and see what you guys think about the show. And don't be snarky and just leave like negative reviews. You can save those for the YouTube comments or something. We want to spread hope. And the way you do that is by telling people how the show has impacted you. Mama said, if you ain't got anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. That was before the internet existed. Now everyone's got a, they've got their bullhorn out there. Now everybody's got an opinion. But listen, just, you know, if you don't like the show, quit listening. It's okay. We can deal with that. I always wonder who those people are. Every day they're listening as a hate listener or something. Just find a new show. Hate listen. I don't listen to things that make me mad every day. I don't hate listen to anything. You got enough to get you riled up. You don't need that. Well, that's true. I have that. But, um, but it's a, a special a, kind of boredom where you have to seek out things to make you angry. You need help. Yeah, there's kind of an addiction to it almost now. It's kind of weird. But anyway, hey, please help us. Subscribe, follow, and leave a five-star review. John is with us. John is in Fort Collins, Colorado. Hey, John, welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hey, thanks. How are you doing? Better than I deserve. How can we help? Well, quick, maybe not a quick question, but a question. I just retired at age 63. I have health insurance and a severance pay, sort of an early retirement thing, until I hit 64. But the questions I have, and I can answer questions you have with regards to our portfolio, but 
do we need long-term care insurance? If so, how do I fund it? And then also your thoughts on maybe taking a pension that I have that I can take as a lump sum and putting some of that into an annuity to offset the market. Um, never considered that before. And to your point on some of the previous calls, don't want to make any fear-based decisions, especially on the LTC piece. So would welcome your insight. Yeah. Okay. Uh, long-term care insurance, you, if you do buy it, never buy it bundled with other insurance products. Only buy freestanding policies. Way too expensive the other way. All kinds of hooks and gotchas and loops and the other stuff. Just if you're going to buy long-term care insurance, just go to an independent insurance agent. Have them shop long-term care only. There's a lot of these companies are bundling it with whole life. Other life insurance products are suck. They're horrible. The ratios are nasty bad. And uh, and boy, they know how to sell it. It's a it's a slimy product. So (laughs) anyway, having said that uh just long-term care if you need it now here's the thing here's your long-term care exposure if you're under 60 you have almost no long-term care exposure you said six three though didn't you yes i'm 63 my wife is 60 okay so now you're starting to have some long-term care exposure long-term care meaning nursing home care or in-home care in the ability you had a long-term debilitating situation um early onset dementia or Alzheimer's or whatever, or you just get old and the nursing home comes into play, whatever it is, all that kind of stuff. All right. So now the, here's the statistics for you. The typical long-term care situation is the average person stays two and a half years. And right now it's running 80 to a hundred thousand dollars a year. So this is a $250,000 average exposure. So if you have $5 million, you're self-insured. You just pay for it. Okay. Okay. If you have $500,000, I don't, I want you to get long-term care insurance because if, because typically right. what happens is 75% of you ladies out there will outlive your husbands. And the typical scenario is Papa goes into the nursing home, burns through two or 300 grand of the 500 grand nest egg dies and leaves mama with only 200 grand. Or burns through three hundred grand. That's all they had, and uh, that sounded like a lot of money till. And then they're mad at the nursing home, like the nursing home did something wrong, and so you don't want to do that. So, what's your net worth, John? Uh, net worth is four point two million. I would self insure. Okay, and just it's funny you say that because I was thinking based on our, you know, I've been following you a long time and helped us tremendously over the years, but. Um, we did meet with an advisor that had recommended one of these insurance products, and it made no sense to me because as I looked at it, what you were paying for that would be 20000 a year for my wife and I. And the long-term care piece that came with the insurance really wouldn't be enough to cover more than six months. Yeah. So here's, I'm glad you cleared up. Cleared here's what's going to happen at our house, okay? We won't be going to a nursing home. I've got, a, like you, I have a substantial net worth, Okay. If something happens to me and I am bedridden or I need assistance, we will bring in full-time care. It's as cheap as a nursing home, and it's a highly increased quality of life. Now, right. it, and if uh, if Sharon, if something happened to that? if something happened to one of us and the other one's left behind, the kids are going to pay the bill, and I'm or I'm going to pay the bill, and the kids are going to make sure the person's showing up and taking care of me in the house. Because I'm rich enough that I'm a full-time freaking nurse. 
taking care of me. <laughs> that's what it amounts to, right? And that's yes. that, really, can you do that for a hundred grand a year? Pretty dead gum close, right? Right. And that's what a nursing home costs. So that's, it's not like you're spending twice as much because you're some rich guy or something. You're going to, but that's what's going to happen at the Ramsey's. Um, will we'll not only, I'm not mad at nursing homes. I think they do a wonderful job and, and they serve a wonder. And it's a, it's a, actually a ministry for a lot of people in a lot of situations, but choosing that versus me and, uh, a series of staff taking care of my wife, if something happens to her and she's there, I, that's what we're doing. I'm not going to do it by myself. Right. I'm going to get help, but, uh, I'm going to get medical staff because we can afford it. That's why we worked our butts off all these years, you know? Amen to that. Um, any feedback or any suggestions on where that would come from? Because, of course, the market's declining now. Right now, I don't have to dip into the portfolio. Where would you, years. if you wanted to get a hundred grand a year, where would you get it? It's not that big a deal. Um, well, I'd have to pull from my investments now. Or Whoopee. I've got, you know. Whoopee. Okay. hundred grand out of 4.7, I think you'll probably be okay. This could go on until yeah, you're 162. Yeah. Okay. I would also consider firing your advisor, John, because it sounds like they're an insurance salesperson in advisor's clothing, and that worries me. Um, it's somebody we met that's a. Uh, I don't want to give too much detail. It's okay. fine, friend, but I just, just I always get ner- a little nervous when someone goes, "Yeah, my uh, my financial advisor is trying to sell me on whole life." Yeah, you got a whole life insurance salesman. Yeah, there. That's yeah. Because got to tell you, there's no smart investor pros to sell whole life. Uh, people in the people in the financial business don't sell that crap. The only people that sell that crap are insurance people. That's it. I mean, and then they say, "Well, I'm a financial advisor." Bull crap! You're an insurance agent. So different. George is right, and so your new friend is an insurance agent. Let's just call them what they are, and they sell bad long-term care. Just for the record, wouldn't want anybody to be confused about this. This is the Ramsey Show. Dave here. You can find all of our shows with the Ramsey Network app on your smartphone. It's the only place to listen to the entire back catalog of episodes. Download the Ramsey Network app in your favorite app store today.